Hello there and welcome into this edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's Joel Rosenberg, a journalist and a storyteller who writes works of fiction that mirror real-life events. His latest book is set in the Middle East in a world in which Israel and Saudi Arabia have signed a peace agreement and his main character is a believer who works for the CIA. Find out more about it coming up. Then it's Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, who discusses how God ministered to him in the midst of a difficult season of his life and offers encouragement for those who are experiencing struggles. And on this edition of The Intersection, you'll hear from noted author and creator Bill Myers, who has crafted a new work centered around a skeptical college professor who finds himself transported to the time of Jesus and who encounters the Savior for some meaningful conversation. Finally, Jeff Kinley has looked into the future and knows what the Bible has to say about it. And in a recent conversation, this author describes some trends in culture that could be indicators of where we're heading regarding what the Bible has predicted. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Joel Rosenberg is a novelist who has written a number of books centered around the Middle East, and he is editor for two news services, All Israel News and All Arab News. His latest book is centered on the danger encountered by his main character in a terrorist area near Israel in Lebanon. The book is entitled The Beirut Protocol. From that conversation, this is Joel Rosenberg. In the novel, The Jerusalem Assassin and now The Beirut Protocol, the Saudis are moving towards Israel. But as they try to make peace with Israel, uh, the Iranians and Iranian terror proxy forces and other radical Islamist forces are trying to blow up this peace treaty. They don't want to see it happen. And that's my fear in real life, right? So, so when I began writing this series, Israel had not signed four historic peace deals. Um, since the books have come out, they have. Now, they haven't done it with, it, with Saudi Arabia yet. But, but sure enough, we see already Iran uh, is doing more terror attacks against countries in the region uh, than ever before. Well, maybe not than ever before, but a lot, and it's increasing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's talk here in Israel that the, the most serious potential new Middle Eastern war, if it happened in 2021, would be with Israel and Lebanon, specifically with the terror organization known as Hezbollah, the, the Iranian-funded, founded, trained, armed, mm. directed terror force, which basically occupies Lebanon. And so that's, the, I'm sort of toggling back and forth in my answer between my fictional universe, <laughs> but what's really actually happening. And I will say just uh, in addition to the Abraham Accords, the actual real-life peace treaties that Israel has signed with these four Arab countries, We've also seen, since these books have released, uh, one other really interesting piece of movement, Bob, and that is uh, last December, uh, Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu secretly flew to Saudi Arabia to meet with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and uh, then U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now, we don't know exactly what was discussed, but this was, this was historic. I mean, it was secret, except that it leaked, but an Israeli prime minister on Saudi soil with a Saudi wow. leader and an American secretary, of State, it's, it read like the Beirut Protocol. It read like the Jerusalem assassin, but it was really 
happening. And I think that while it's fiction now, what I've written about a Saudi-Israeli peace deal, I think it's not as crazy as when I first wrote it. I think that the trend lines are actually moving in that direction. Um, I don't want to make any predictions, but I think it's not impossible to imagine that in just a few years, you and I could be talking about an actual Saudi-Israeli peace agreement. So comment, if you would, Joel, on the spiritual journey that Marcus Riker might be traveling on. Yeah, well, he's the first character of any leading character I've ever written who's a believer in Jesus Christ. The others have been on their own spiritual journeys uh, from backgrounds, including one, one was a, a nominal Muslim character, uh, David Shirazi, a few books back. Marcus is a believer, raised uh, in a home with people who love Jesus, and, and he, he does. But, he's, but by definition, as a Secret Service agent, that personality is not a particularly talkative person. He's not, Marcus is not a preacher. He's not a pastor. He's not a missionary. He's, right, he doesn't wear his faith on his sleeve. And I don't even say that as a pejorative. I just mean, this is, he's, this is not something he's comfortable in talking about. But it does drive who he is. And in the world that he lives in, uh, the Central Intelligence Agency, he, is, he faces very difficult ethical and moral situations that the rest of us don't face. Sure. So, you know, to live in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the, that intersection of faith and society and culture that you talk about on Faith Radio, he lives at, the, at an intersection, but he lives in the shadows, Right as a secret service agent, even as a Marine, he had a little more clarity of how his faith gave him the courage to go do things because he knew the things he was doing was right to protect his country and to protect its leaders and so forth. The CIA world is murkier, <laughs> let's just say. It's just murky. It's shadowy. And there are a lot of ethical decisions. And, and then in, this, in the Beirut Protocol, he's actually in chapter one. So I'm not, this is not a spoiler. Marcus Riker is captured by terrorists after a firefight on the Israeli-Lebanon border. He and two of his colleagues are dragged deep behind enemy lines where they're going to be tortured, and he's got to make some serious decisions. Joel Rosenberg here on The Intersection. You can learn more through his website, joelrosenbergberg.com. You can also learn more about All Israel News at allisrael.com and All Arab News at allarab.news. This is the Intersection Podcast with the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Jack Graham. In our recent conversation, he offered encouragement in the midst of struggle rooted in his own personal experience based on the book Reignite, Fresh Focus for an Enduring Faith. From that conversation, this is Jack Graham now. I talk about, uh, first of all, time. When you are in uh, a mental health crisis or issue, I learned and really believe that part of it is just waiting on God and time because you can't snap yourself out of one of these things. I, I had always been, you know, able to pick myself up, you know, facing loss, uh, facing death, grief. Uh, and, and I'd had experienced some of that in, in throughout life, but this was something different and it takes time uh, you can't, I remember sitting in my chair feeling just so uh, frustrated that I couldn't get going again and just looking at a big clock in my room. I kept trying to think, can I just fast forward that clock? 
can I, can I just get this going again? And, and I learned that with God, timing, of course, is everything. And it takes time to come out of one of these episodes. And I mentioned, you know, mine was episodic in the sense that it had a beginning and had an end to it. And it faded away uh, at the end. But many people struggle this, with this kind of condition for years and years and years. Uh, but time ultimately is, is on our side if we're in uh, seeking God. And so time was, was important. Another thing that I talk about uh, is touch. And that is needing to be with people. One of the wor worst things that can happen to anyone when they're facing a crisis of some kind, certainly a mental health crisis, is to isolate yourself. This is when it gets extremely dangerous potentially. And that's why this whole COVID uh, pandemic thing has been so uh, damaging to people in the midst of feeling this way, isolated from friends, family, churches. So I, I, I gradually, you know, in, in, when, you're, when you're not feeling well, you don't really want to be with people. You want your privacy and, and me being a pastor, you know, I, I was dealing with just the whole issue on the who needs to know basis of what my own personal struggle was. Uh, I was in the pulpit. I took some time off, but I was in the pulpit. So people were seeing me every week. Many times I was just, you know, just physically crawling into that pulpit, uh, getting, getting through the, the physical side of it, as well as the emotional side. But ultimately, we need people. And one of the things I talk about in the book is just the need for uh, relationships within the church and people who care. This is why I keep saying, I'll say it again, I said it earlier, Churches need to be engaged and Christians don't need to, to be a part of the problem by not uh, being available to help hurting people, struggling people. Uh, so a couple of years ago, as a result of my experience, we started a life recovery ministry in our church where we're head on addressing all the issues of mental health biblically. And so touch, uh, that's the Thanksgiving. Uh, these are all uh, begin with a letter T, thanksgiving, gratitude, according to Hans Selye, the author of the stress studies, is the healthiest of all human emotions. And practicing thanksgiving, I did some practical things. I journaled throughout this experience. I was always a journaler, uh, hit and miss some. Uh, but this this put me at a whole new level in terms of writing. And and uh, we know just mentally and, and psychologically, as well as spiritually, journaling our prayers, our thoughts, and in particular, not just make it a, a, a cry list, so you can certainly cry, but to make it a list of thanksgiving and recounting the blessings of God that helped me tremendously. And there's so many scriptures about that. Uh, we talk about just being grateful and thanks uh, to God. And then I talk about therapy. Uh, yes, therapy. Uh, I had never had any kind of therapy. Uh, psychological, emotional, mental health therapy. But I went to a Christian brother who is a, a, a trained counselor and his, you know, my conversations with him and he helped walk me through this and days when I didn't know if I could, you know, get through the day, he encouraged me and helped me. And I encourage Christians uh, to get professional help. And yes, talk to your pastor and your pastor may be the one to help you or a friend. And there's a lot that can be done, but get professional help. If you find yourself in a situation that you are depressed, you're anxious, you're dealing with fears and anxieties at a, at a, at a level deeper than what is normal, 
uh, go get treatment, get a recommendation, get a good person who understands the Bible as well as the mind. And uh, I did that. And I talk about some of the things that we did uh, in the book. Jack Graham here on The Intersection. You can learn more by visiting the website jackgraham.org. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by visiting meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. Also, there are links to the podcast in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to faithradio.org and go to the Programming tab. Plus, conversations from the Meeting House program can be found through the Faith Radio app at a variety of podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more through the Meeting House homepage. The Intersection podcast continues now with Bill Myers, He is an author and content creator, and in our recent conversation, he shared about the concept of his book entitled Rendezvous with God, a work of fiction in which a skeptical professor travels back in time and meets with Jesus. Here now from that conversation is Bill Myers. The concept is uh, this poor uh, middle-aged man, professor, college professor, uh, has a bunch of modern-day life problems, not the least of which being he's now a bachelor, and his 14-year-old niece decides she's going to move in with him. And uh, so he has all the dynamics of a middle-aged man dealing with a 14-year-old uh, niece. So he's dealing with all that. But then to, to compound matters, he keeps getting pulled back into time and having these off-the-record conversations with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not even a bullet. He's not even a believer, so this is this is really a, his plate is full of trying to catch up. So, what inspired this particular setup? You've got this professor who could be described as a recluse and just out of the blue. Basically, his niece comes in to live there, and here he's not a believer in Christ, yet he has this opportunity to go back in time and actually have some, as you say, off-the-record discussion. So what inspired this? This is this is quite creative, absolutely. So uh, tell me how you, you kind of derive this. The modern-day story is just sort of the backdrop that uh, each time he gets pulled back into time, what he sees and what Jesus talks to him about actually applies to his modern-day predicaments everything from forgiveness to uh, anger, uh, everything is there. I wanted to, this, I, years ago I wrote a, a novel that's uh, called Eli, and it's a modern-day telling of the gospel as if it happened in America today. Uh, and I, you know, to this day, Bob, I get emails from people that say, I've been my whole life and now I finally get Jesus. So I wanted to write something that made Jesus accessible uh, to our culture. Sometimes we we hide behind uh, historical facts and figures, which are absolutely necessary, 
but sometimes we use that to insulate us from the personable, loving, slightly humorous Jesus Christ that we that is in Scripture. So it's just another way of stripping away uh, the religious varnish hmm. that we've got Jesus coated up in and uh, making him as real as he was 2,000 years ago. Well, if you had to summarize the the points of Jesus' life that you felt would be most relevant to this character whom you had developed, what would you most want to communicate to this professor? And of course, by virtue of that, to the reader them, or the readers themselves. Oh, probably the climax when Jesus is on the cross talking to him and the guy's beating himself up for something he's done wrong. And Jesus says, basically, you're stealing my glory. I paid for that. This is me paying for it. How dare you try to steal my glory and think you have to suffer for what I've already paid for. So there's this wonderful dialogue between the two of them as Jesus is saying, this is my glory. Your sin, me paying for your sin is my glory. Don't you dare think you have to pay for it. And that's like the whole climax where the guy finally drops to his knees and realizes who he's been having these conversations with. Well, I understand that you explore the the whole notion of spiritual transformation in the book rather than yeah. behavior modification. So take us through that, if you would. Yeah, those are fancy words, aren't they? <laughs> uh, character modification is trying to change ourselves by being religious from the outside in by doing all these religious things we think that's going to change us uh, and that's that's char- that's nothing more than character modification that's nothing more than what just about any other religion teaches you just change the parts and you and you have we will change you from the outside in if you do these things for jesus again and again and again talks about spiritual transformation, getting inside us and changing us deeply so that the outside does change, but not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Bill Myers here on The Intersection. You can find him at BillMyersMYERS.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's author Jeff Kinley in a discussion about his book entitled Aftershocks, Christians Entering a New Era of Global Crisis. He discussed current trends that are or could be related to prophecies that are found in the Bible. From that conversation, this is Jeff Kinley now. On the heels of this crisis, we had the um, not only these leaders that I formerly mentioned, but also uh, people in the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank. Uh, there's a group of, of leaders, former world leaders, independent group called the elders interestingly enough oh uh, they're also goodness. calling for us to come together for world peace uh, democracy without borders is another uh, organization that has as its goal to register all individuals as citizens of the world uh, in a one world government so the idea of the, of the of the great reset bob is to basically cast off capitalism for a new socialist world order and that's what the world economic forum is proposing uh, in fact in june 2020 they called specifically for a global reset. And what that means partially is, is that we would no longer really be uh, patriots and citizens of our own country as much as we would be 
world citizens. And so uh, they basically want to try to make all people equal, have all people have justice and, and equality, and we all get the same type of care. But as we've seen in every single time this has been tried, uh, the people who suffer are the masses, and then a few elites end up getting rich and having power. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the end of days. The Bible says that power will be concentrated in a very small group of people, primarily a, a group of 10 uh, who will lead a 10-nation alliance, the Scripture predicts, but one man will rise above that, and as you mentioned earlier, it's the Antichrist. We have perfection because we're all coming together as one world. I mean, how bad can that be, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. In fact, I, I talked about that in Aftershock. I thought, well, hey, isn't this catch my sar- a, Yeah, catch my of, sarcasm here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, exactly. And I've got the sarcasm in my book as well, because I talk about how, you know, isn't this just a great thing? I mean, haven't we always wanted peace and hold hands across the world? And, you know, we all just kind of— uh, you know, meld into John Lennon's Imagine song, and there's just all no nations, no borders, nothing like this. But the thing that people need to realize is is that almost certainly, in fact, certainly, this this coalition of leadership and of power will be led by godless men, and it'll be something that will eventually turn against those who believe in a Judeo Christian worldview, Judeo Christian work ethic. It's going to turn against us and. These people will essentially rule the world, and as I said earlier, the Antichrist will be the main one. But, but in this sort of scenario, Bob, what happens is, is that we end up losing our freedoms and losing our rights. Instead of gaining something, we end up really losing in the end. Of course, in the end, it's going to be uh, what I believe the Bible calls the Great Tribulation Period, where the Antichrist will demand that everyone take uh, what's called the mark of the beast. And so it's not heading uh, in a good place, and we also know from Scripture that there will be no, a lasting world peace until, until the Prince of Peace, Jesus, uh, comes on this earth. We recognize the Bible predicts so many of these things coming to pass, but we also know what God's plan is. And we see these as signs of the times, and we see that God has a plan that is unfolding for the earth. So take us through that, if you would. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that God wants his people to do is to recognize what's going on in the world today, not just simply be a passenger in history, but also be able to evaluate history based upon what God has said in his prophetic word. And of course, that's what the author of Hebrews said to the believers there. He said, by this time, you should be mature and be able to see what's going on in the world. And I think what's happening now, Bob, is that we have, uh, with people not going to church, uh, many Christians are not getting into their Bibles. In fact, the, the, the statistics there, according to Barna, are about 18% of Christians read their Bibles every day. So if we're not being fed, we're not being nourished, we're not being given a perspective, then as we look around us, we, we're confused. We don't know what to think. And uh, some, for some people, it's actually disturbing their faith, and they're falling into fear. And that's exactly what Paul said to the believers at Thessalonica. He said, people are coming in, you're looking at the world around you, and he says, you've got fear, your faith is being disturbed. And Paul set the record straight by telling them exactly the order of events and the things that are going to happen. So as we get into God's prophetic word, one of the things it does is that it gives us clarity. And we don't have to wonder what's going to happen. Uh, We don't have to panic. Uh, We can rest in God's plan. And I have two chapters in the back of Aftershocks, Bob, where I talk about that. I spend one chapter just talking about how we can conquer the fear that is so prevalent in our world today and how we can help spread the message of Christ to the world. And this is a this is a unique moment in history. This is a unique opportunity, I believe, for 
Christians uh, to make an impact in the world. We cannot afford to miss it. Jeff Kinley here on The Intersection. You can find him online at jeffkinley.com. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast. Also, there are links to the podcast. You can find it in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. For example, my conversation with Joel Rosenberg can be found through the video content link. Also, you can find excerpts from conversations from the Witter 2021 Christian Product Expo in Charlotte, North Carolina. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.